welcome back to the Whatcom Dads podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things being a dad. We discuss parenting topics, share our recommendations for things our kids like, and bring on a guest who will share some parenting advice. And to all you moms out there, please stick around. Our show is for you too. I'm Mark Bagley. I'm Nathan Dwyer. And I'm Chris Roselli. And this week, we recap the holidays, begin our January focus on preparing your kids for college by discussing how to help them choose a school, and make some recommendations on hikes or long walks to take with your kids. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Walking Dads Podcast. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, man. 2021. Yeah. Uh, can it be a little bit different than 2020, maybe? <laughs> be a, a bit different. Hopefully different. At least the second half of it. What's your recommendation on when we are safely recording this podcast together in one spot as opposed to our current Zoom format? Six months minimum. Yeah, I was going to say June. Yeah, I was thinking maybe March or April, if it was nice outside, we could distance with microphones. But yeah, sitting inside in a room, I think sometime this summer. Well, the nice thing is I'm so old, I'll be getting the vaccine way before the two of you were so young. <laughs> we might have pre-existing health conditions and bump the line, though. <laughs> Amy's going to be getting one eventually, sooner than I think the three of us being a teacher. And uh, the schools are going to be, I think second third grade is going to be starting back up here at the end of january is the hope so that'll be interesting to see what happens chris i wanted to alert you to something i think our uh, partner in crime here has been sneaking around our back i listened this week mark is cheating on us he's been twice on his son's podcast the trade bait podcast and i'll tell you what mark great job you're doing with your son there it seems like you're having a lot of fun oh thanks nathan that's very nice um yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a sports nut, and I love sports as well, so it's just really fun to sit across the table from him and kind of watch him in action. He's pretty passionate about it, and it, it's a lot of fun for me uh, to listen to him, so I'm glad he liked it. Well, the fact that you, uh, you are a trader and you are uh, on another podcast, I, I'm never going to listen to it, and I like Ben's stuff. Ben is not going to get an additional listener because you're on it, and my feelings are hurt. But I think it's a compliment to this podcast that he's wanting to take me and and use me based on the on what we're doing here. So I look at it as a compliment to uh, Welcome Dads. That I agree. It's given Mark uh, more practice, so he, he's gonna. <laughs> God knows I need it. So how was everybody's holidays? This was obviously unique. We talked quite a bit the last couple podcasts about uh, how COVID's made holiday planning a little bit different with Thanksgiving and uh, for us Christmas. Um, we didn't travel very much. What about you guys? No, we stayed at home. Both kids came home for a week, which was great fun. And uh, we watched movies and talked and celebrated and uh, had a very nice time. But yeah, we, we stayed very close to home. Yeah, we did some distanced uh, sort of outside gatherings with uh, 
my parents and my wife's parents. And, you know, you sort of take things for granted. You can be, you know, six feet away from them, but there's still something to be said that I'm sure that the kids would want to hug their grandparents and likewise. And so you sort of take those things for granted. So hopefully when this thing passes, we're going to be able to make up for lost time. But uh, we did some things that, you know, I, I might institute in the future. I know that Amanda talked about that a little bit on the last podcast with the wives, but one thing that I thought was pretty neat was Santa this year, since he wasn't at the mall all the time, was doing Zoom calls with kids. And so my kids got to Zoom with Santa and it was more personal than sitting on their lap. And they got to spend more time talking with him, probably about 10 to 15 minutes. And we got a recording of it. So uh, moving forward, that might be the way to go because I think that it was just more of a you know, worthwhile interaction than 30 seconds on Santa's lap at the mall. And you didn't have to stand in line for an hour. Correct. We also did something unique. Uh, we met Amy's parents at Chambers Bay Regional Park. So Chambers Bay Golf Course, which I've played a few times, which is fantastic. But with the golf course, there's hundreds of acres of park space that has like a three and a half mile loop around the, the golf course. And you can access the beach. Uh, it all has this amazing view of the Puget Sound. There's playgrounds. There's uh, We ate outside at the restaurant at the golf course. And so uh, we did actually get a chance to spend um, half a, an afternoon anyway with Amy's parents down in Tacoma, just walking around outside. So um, that was I highly recommend it. It was a beautiful park. We brought our dogs. They've got an amazing dog park there. The cleanest dog park I've ever seen. We took full advantage of the whole uh, Zoom environment. And uh, our family's had this crazy Christmas party every year for the last 30 some years. And since uh, we couldn't be in person with anyone, um, we decided to get the original group from college back together and do a Zoom Christmas party. And so we had uh, one friend who lives in Vermont and one in Michigan and one in Georgia and two in California. And we had a little 45 minute Zoom party. And that was the first time we had seen most of these people in uh, 22 years since we moved from California. So that was kind of fun. Wow. And then I was also um, invited to a um, poker party and it was a virtual party. And this was a group that I played with when I lived in California. And again, haven't played with them in 20 years. And we always had an annual holiday poker party and we called it the gift exchange. And the reason we had to call it a gift exchange is to be able to convince our wives and girlfriends to allow us to be with our buddies four or five days before Christmas. We called it the gift exchange. We would bring cookies, we'd have song sheets, we'd sing songs, stupid, crazy stuff. But we got together and did a Zoom call. And I haven't seen these guys in, like I said, you know, 20 years. And it was all the original group. And it was just so fun to kind of relive those very fun, fond memories that I had of, of that special group of guys. So we kind of took full advantage of the whole remoteness and, and reconnected with old friends who we hadn't seen in a long time. So that was, that was pretty special. That's cool. That's really neat. You know, one neat thing that my brother had put together for uh, our family was uh, Sur La Table, which is that uh, cooking, um, I don't know, company. They make all sorts of stuff. Anyway, Sur La Table uh, put together a cooking class and uh, via Zoom. And so it was 29 bucks 
and we all made breakfast or Christmas cookies together. And uh, so we set up one Zoom with just our family. And then on the other Zoom was the Sir Latab class with everybody taking the class together. And we made three different kinds of Christmas cookies uh, all together, even though we were all in different parts of the state, which was pretty cool. So I want to share one thing that uh, happened to me over the holidays that was completely unique. It's never happened before. I'm doubt if it'll ever happen again. But I became a landowner in Scotland and assumed the title of Lord, which was a gift from a friend of mine, a loyal listener of this show. And uh, I just uh, thought that was an amazing thing. And I now will carry that title of Lord Bagley with me until I decide to sell my one square foot of property in Scotland. We should all fly there and see if we can maybe borrow some square footage around your square foot and play poker on your square foot of, of Scottish owned land. Well, since this is a mutual friend of ours that granted each one of us a square foot, we have three square feet. I think we could squeeze in there and record our podcast. And guess what? We could drink whiskey or scotch. So uh, a shout out to Bob for uh, hooking us up with the the title and the uh, land in Scotland. Yeah, it was very thoughtful of you, buddy. That's right. You're now listening to Three Lords. (laughs) Robinson and Cole Attorneys is proud to be a sponsor of the Whatcom Dads podcast. Located in downtown Bellingham, Robinson and Cole has been representing the injured and disabled of Whatcom County since 1979. If you or someone you know has been injured in an auto accident or suffered an on-the-job injury, call Robinson and Cole to schedule a free, no-obligation video consult with one of their five attorneys. Their attorneys have over 100 years of experience litigating cases against insurance companies and the Department of Labor and Industries. Call 360-671-8112 to schedule an appointment. All right. This week, we are going to start January off, and our theme for the month of January is helping your children with their college admissions and decision process and financial aid, Uh, something that even if you don't have a senior in high school, if you have a kid, at some point, they're going to eventually be a senior. So this week, the three of us are going to talk about helping your kid choose a college, and then in the coming weeks, we're going to have some guests who can helpfully... uh, speak more to the process as we know that application deadlines are likely due the end of January. And then in the coming months, some of you out there with college bound kids are going to have some decisions to make. And I think Nathan, something that uh, we've discussed uh, before the podcast started was when we refer to college, of course, but college isn't just a four year degree. It's also technical college, it's community college, higher education at a variety of different levels. So real quickly, let's run down where we each went to school and briefly talk about uh, why we chose that. I did attend Western Washington University here in Bellingham, and uh, I made that choice, I think, primarily based on the size um, and the location. I think those were the two things that uh, sort of solidified it for me. Yeah, I uh, spent my freshman year of college at Gonzaga over in Spokane, and uh, I wasn't a big fan of the east side of the mountains. It was also really expensive. And a friend of mine said, you should come check out Western. And so we sat in the Viking Union looking out over the water. And immediately I was hooked on Western 
And uh, also while I was at Western, I did a domestic exchange program to the University of Massachusetts in Amherst as well, which was a blast. So I guess effectively attended three colleges. I went to the University of Laverne, which was a small private college in Southern California. And uh, I went there primarily for the size. It was very small, about a thousand undergrads. And it just felt like it was the, the right thing for me at the time. And Mark, you and I sort of have never left the college uh, life in a way because you worked at the University of Laverne and then Western. So um, we've always been surrounded by that energy and youth in a variety of ways. And I graduated from Western and never left. I've been an admissions counselor. So I've worked in admissions. I've worked in the Alumni Association at Western and now I'm in community relations for Western. And I've been in higher ed for almost 35 years, my entire career, uh, primarily in the fundraising world. Like I said, Chris, 10 years at Laverne and then coming up on 23 years at Western. So it's a, it's an amazing place to work. And I'm impressed every single day by the quality of students that we are so fortunate to interact with. I agree. So as usual, I did some research and there'll be a couple links in the show notes. I've got some articles up. Um, and so just sort of as an overview, I mean, the, the thing that I gleaned uh, from looking at these articles, which we're talking about how to help your teen with their college decision, I'm just going to run through some of the things that they pointed out and then we can sort of discuss those. So some of these, not surprisingly, were that you shouldn't pressure your teenager to pick a particular school. Try not to compare your child to others who may be going to other types of schools. Make sure you discuss pricing and affordability of that college for your family with your teen. Uh, certainly compare financial aid offers at different institutions. Research career outcomes and talk about the location and focus on what's right for that kid, whether they are looking for a rigorous academic environment or whether they're looking for a power five school to take advantage of the uh, Saturday football games. So one of us here on the podcast has gone through this process with two of their children. So Mark, why don't you take it away and tell us sort of what the interaction was between you and your wife and your two kids as they made their college choice? Well, the one thing that I would... Um just slightly disagree with Nathan in that list of uh, traits that you mentioned was the thing about the career. It's very seldom that a 17 or 18 year old really knows what they want to do for the rest of their life. And some do, some know they want to be a doctor or they want to be an attorney um, and they need to go to a school that, that will prepare them for that, that next step of, of schooling. But so many students just don't know. And one of the beautiful things about college is you get to go and explore a lot of different areas and then make your decision. Allie had no idea what she wanted to do. She only knew that she wanted to go to a school at least a thousand miles away from us. <laughs> <laughs> I think she, you know, she grew up in a small town. She loved to travel. She has a sense of adventure. And so she only applied for, to colleges outside of the state of Washington. So California, the East Coast, uh, I made her apply to Western just because she needed a fallback school. But she was accepted to Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana. And we couldn't believe that that's where she chose to go. And it was more of an adventure thing because she didn't go there because of a particular program. She got in a great program. She got into a five-year program where she had a master's degree after five years. So it just worked out absolutely perfectly. But 
I remember we just spent a lot of time having the discussion, really trying to understand what she was trying to do. And for us, the thought of her going so far away was terrifying, but the cost of a school like Tulane was really terrifying for my wife and I, because that was something that we could just not afford if she didn't get significant scholarships. And she did. So she was able to pursue her dream because she was a good student and got some amazing financial aid, which made this all possible. And when she flew home from her freshman year, I met her at the airport and she said, dad, I think I made the wrong decision. I said, why do you think that? She says, because it's so beautiful here and I really, really miss it. And I said, sweetie, if you had stayed here and not gone away, you wouldn't appreciate what you left as much as you do. And so I think you need to go back and finish up and then come back here and then decide where you want to live the rest of your life. And she did. And like I said, spent five years in New Orleans, which was great fun, but she couldn't wait to leave to get back here. And now she lives in Seattle and has a great job and things are really going well for her. So it's just that maturation process that a kid has to go through because that 18 to 22 or 23, and Chris, you worked with these young people when you worked in admissions, there's so much formation that goes on personality-wise and emotionally and and mentally and physically that um, sometimes the decision is the right one, sometimes the wrong one, but there's always a chance to change if you have made the wrong decision. Yeah. And it's, 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 a growth process for a lot of these students too. And it's funny because the students who grow up in Whatcom County, I've heard many times students from Whatcom County will say, man, I would totally go to Western if it didn't, if it wasn't 10 minutes from my house. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, I think many listeners may know um, what myself, my wife, Nathan, his wife, all of us graduated from your daughter's safety school. Um, so... <laughs> It's a pretty good safety school to have. Uh, and it's one of those things for a lot of students. Right now, my daughters are saying, hey, we are going to Western. I mean, they go to volleyball games. They are all pro-Western. And even though I work for Western, I'm not necessarily set on them going to Western. If they want to explore and really get away, I mean, this is the great, that is a great time for them to be able to do that for sure. Well, And, and Ben, my, my youngest son is, is currently at Western. And he said, there's no way in the world I'm going there because I grew up on that campus. I want to go somewhere and explore and find other things. So he applied to a bunch of colleges and we toured them. And when push came to shove, he said, you know what? I feel like I belong at Western. And thank goodness he made that choice because because he was so familiar with that campus and with the programs, he has been able to immerse himself like I don't think he would have been able to at another college. And many of the opportunities that he's been afforded have just been because he feels so comfortable there. It wasn't because dad did anything. I've done nothing for him, but he has really blossomed and loves it, wants to go to grad school and he will go somewhere probably far away from, from Whatcom County, but boy, where he was in his life, Western Washington university was the ideal place for him. And we're so glad. And he's so glad that he made that decision. That brings up a good point. If you think you are going to go to grad school, there's sort of a debate about, well, do you try and then save money on your undergraduate degree? Because if you end up traveling far away for grad school, uh, it may in fact cost significantly more. So uh, I did attend Western. That was a state school. But then when I went to grad school, 
I basically applied to everywhere outside of Washington because I thought that was going to be then my opportunity to get out and explore the world. And I'm happy I did. And I came back and I was lucky enough to have a job I could come back to. But I would put in a plug for if you're on the fence deciding between a couple different options for undergraduate and you're certain that you want to go into a profession that requires that extra degree, save the money with the undergraduate degree and then spend it on the graduate degree. And something that's changed a lot, though, since the three of us were in college is the whole running start thing. So a lot of students come into college with a year or two already under their belts. And so their cost for their undergraduate degree is much less than it used to be. And so sometimes you can go to the school of your choice because it's only going to cost you for two years and then go to a grad school of your choice and have it kind of balance out. So that's something that's different than when we were in school. Chris, I know that in your job at Western, you've interacted with the individuals who give tours on campus. And I think, in fact, you might have been a tour guide when, <laughs> when you yourself were a student. And you might have even met your wife when you were a tour guide. So perhaps talk, talk a little bit about how important a campus visit is. Uh, I, I, I don't think anything could be more important, actually. Um, yeah, I was a star at Western, and so was my wife. That stands for Student Admissions Representative. And uh, these are students on all college campuses. The tour guides are engaged. They know their campus. They know a lot of people. They know what's going on at the school. And, of course, they're there to talk about the really great things at the school um, but they can also be really honest about their experiences and whether or not the school could be a good fit for for students who are interested, for prospective students. And so um, getting the feel, I mean, my understanding, and maybe when we get an opportunity to introduce uh, or to interview Cesar, uh, the director of admissions at Western, he could answer this question. But I still think one of the number one reasons why people pick Western is because of that feel, that environment, with that experience that they get on the campus tour. And I'm sure that's got to be the case at most colleges. Uh, in my own personal experience, I uh, visited one school. I went to visit Gonzaga University in Spokane. It was in August. It was 94 degrees. And I thought, I love it over here. It's hot and dry and um, it's different. And then the school year started and about a month and a half into the school year, uh, dropped below freezing and it didn't get above freezing really until May. <laughs> uh, and it, I missed the West side of the mountains, everything over there turned Brown and I felt far away from the water and coming home over the mountains was, was a, a chore for me. And uh, I didn't visit other places to see if it, if those places would be any different or a better fit. And so I ended up transferring to Western after uh, my freshman year at Gonzaga because I didn't visit other schools to get that experience. Can you speak a little bit more about transferring, Chris? Because I think that's something that uh, maybe our listeners and their children want to know is that it's okay to decide partway through that this isn't working or something else might be more, of more interest. I think traditionally 30, 40 years ago, people went somewhere and stuck it out. But I think now transferring yeah. is, uh, if not the norm, certainly uh, something that people have on their minds and explore. Sure. Yeah, I think something to keep in mind for parents and for students that are looking for schools is that I think for almost all students, they're going to find a community 
of people that uh, they get along with, they'll find friends, they'll meet friends. And I did when I was at Gonzaga, uh, I didn't like it on that side of the mountains. It was also a place I couldn't afford. Um, and so transferring from a private school to Western was also a financial decision for us. And it was hard at that time, but I look back and it was uh, in- incredibly valuable for me. I met some amazing people at Western. Um, and so the, tr- the transition can be hard because you're meeting all sorts of new people. The social uh, aspect of it is something that um, universities put a lot of uh, resources into to make sure that students are meeting one another and making connections. And so to transfer for a lot of students, you're kind of leaving that behind. Uh, but you're always going to find new people. And so for me, I found that and it was a great process. The university at Western was super helpful in making my, my classes transfer over. And uh, I really actually didn't lose any of the uh, progress that I had made um, already in college in taking that time to transfer from Gonzaga to Western. So Mark, when your kids were making their decisions, did you ever feel like there were factors they were taking into account that maybe were ill-advised? And if so, how did you maybe try and guide as opposed to tell them they might be making a mistake? Well, that's a, that's a good question, Nathan. Um, with Allie, we weren't crazy about her wanting to go so far away, but there was just no telling her no you know i've mentioned that she was the spirited child and she had made up her mind and we wanted to support that and the we we didn't feel good about the decision until annette and Allie went to new orleans and visited campus and annette got on campus and felt so good the president spoke who was also a parent of college students there at tulane and she came home and said it's okay. This is a good place. They're going to take care of our girl. For Ben, um, and he listens to this, so I don't know if he knows that, you know, this part of the story, but Annette and I were always certain that Western was the place for him, but he wanted to try to get into other places. And so we didn't discourage him from doing that, but deep down, we knew that he would thrive here in Bellingham. So, Maybe it was just fate. Maybe it was the power of positive thinking. I don't remember the specific conversations. I know there were many. They were very emotional for both kids. But somehow, some way, it just turned out right. Now, I, I think it's also important to talk about kind of digging into the facts about why a kid wants to attend a particular school. I've heard stories where um, a boy wants to attend a college because the girl he's dating in high school is going to that college. I would I would say that's maybe not the best reason to go to that college. I could be wrong. Can I jump in here? Please. I'm not saying that anyone did it for the particular reason you pointed out, but I came to college with the girl I'd been dating my senior year of high school. And we showed up on a Saturday <laughs> and she dumped me on a Thursday. <laughs> And bless her heart, it was the right thing to do and everything turned out okay, but that can happen. So I believe that we both made independent the choice to attend the same college, but man, would that have sucked if one of us had done it simply because the other was going. And I, I know I know students who've gone to a college because of the sports program 
even though they weren't an athlete themselves, they wanted to have that big division one experience as a fan and as a student. I've known students who've gone to a particular college because of the Greek system, because their either mom or dad were in a fraternity or sorority and they wanted to follow in their footsteps. Um, I've heard of people going to schools because they're party schools. They want to go down to Arizona or they want to go to Tulane or they want to go to, uh, you know, somewhere on the East coast. Those may not be the greatest reasons to go, but it's a reason. And if it, if, if, if that helps the young person show interest and gumption and some initiative in actually applying and um, exploring and learning more, I can't be too critical about that. You know, something also uh, that you didn't mention, Mark, of course, is that students pick colleges based on reputation, based on what one of the uh, 100 websites or hundreds of websites has said, or, of course, US US News and World Report, which uh, is probably the one that is looked at the most. And I've got a funny story. A friend of mine graduated from Gonzaga, which is an outstanding school, by the way, and they are highly rated in US News and World Report. So this story is not at all... um, uh, to put down Gonzaga, but um, he owed a lot of money in student debt and ended up graduating with an engineering degree. And in his interview, he in, he applied for a job from a company based out of Kentucky uh, to work as an engineer for this company. And they said, where's Gonzaga University? And he said, when they said that, he thought, what, you got to be kidding me, like that this this company has no idea where my school is. And he said, well, it's in Spokane. And they said, is that by Seattle? They didn't know where Spokane was. And he said, no, it's on the other side of the state. John Stockton went there. Um, and this story is from 20 years ago. He said, John Stockton went there. And they said, no way. John Stockton went to the college you attended. And he said, I'm $100,000 in debt to have the company that hired me interview me and say, wow, you went to the college that John Stockton went to. Now, the college that at Gonzaga that he went to provided him with an amazing internship opportunity, which is actually what lined him up for that job. But I think that a lot of times people get caught up in rate rankings when really it's really also about the internship you can get and the job experience you can get and the degree and what you're going to learn while you're at that school. Another thing that you uh, that wasn't mentioned too is that people pick schools for religious affiliation um, and size, right? So there's a lot of students who go to really small high schools. They might live in small communities. And so going to a large uh, university might be really intimidating. So a lot of students pick schools that might feel a little bit more comfortable for them from a size standpoint. And that's why I went to Laverne, because I went to a small high school, 100 and 49 kids in the graduating class. And I think Laverne had a thousand undergraduates. So to me, that was a big step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it, and it was 30 miles from where I grew up, which was far enough away where I could live on campus, but close enough where I could run home if I needed to. And it was, it was what I needed at the time. And I think it's interesting to talk about um, reputation of the school. Chris, if people don't know where Gonzaga is, do you think anyone knows where Laverne is? <laughs> Right. No, but 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 at the time I wasn't thinking that way. Sure. I was just looking for something that fit. And I have no regrets going to Laverne. It was fantastic. It was what I needed at the time. But if I had to do it again, maybe I would have applied and tried to get into a better known private school or a well-known big public. But it I was 17 years old. 
Yeah. I, I did what was best for me at the time. And Chris, I wanted to follow up on your domestic exchange. I think another thing that uh, parents might want to discuss with, oh, yeah. their, with their children is if they really want to get that adventure, but want to save some money going to school, there's always study abroad programs. And uh, I couldn't afford one when I was an undergraduate, but luckily when I was in graduate school, I got to spend a semester in London and really got to experience a different culture uh, where they did speak English, which was helpful. <laughs> Um, but you see the big city life and, uh, that really sparked my interest in travel. So there are other ways to get the adventure part of college and simply doing it for a semester somewhere else. Yeah. And I, every time we'd get to the end of the quarter, when I would work with my students, I would always ask the question, now that you are almost done with your college career, is there any regrets that you have? And always the most common answer was, I wish I had studied abroad. Um, that, and that's my regret, Chris, because like, I did not do it. And I, I, it's terrible that I didn't. Annette did it when she was in college. And Allie was able to go to Venice, Italy for a semester. And the only reason Allie was able to go was because of this amazing scholarship she had, which was the same financial aid and the same cost as going to Tulane. So, Chris, wow. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm sorry. I think I cut you off, but yeah. No, you didn't. I, I agree 100%. I, I was one of my great experiences. It wasn't international, it was domestic, but to be able to spend Thanksgiving in New York City and to see New England in the fall and just do all of that. Once you graduate from college, life happens and it gets harder and harder to be able to vacation and be gone for three months. When in college, it's built in as a part of your schooling. So it just, it, it's so ideal. Well, the other thing is the reputation of a school might get you your first job, but how many people stick with just one job for their career? And how many times in your jobs has someone said, oh, where'd you go to school? So in theory and on television and in movies, it's really important where you get where you went to school, but once you have your first job, it's going to be your career experience that really propels you forward, not the school you went to five, 10, 15 years before. I think the, I think the Nathan in places uh, like, like in the South and you and I had the chance to visit the university of Alabama. I think that in States like that and in areas like that, there is a whole lot of loyalty to an institution. So you know, Mississippi State or Auburn or Alabama or Florida, or you get to a Duke or North Carolina. It just seems like those schools that have that very strong athletic um, reputation and presence and tradition, there might be some truth to those connections helping you throughout your career. If you go into an interview kind of blind and you realize the guy hiring you also went to Alabama, you might have a leg up just for that reason alone. That may not be a West Coast thing, but I certainly think it's a Southeast thing. Yeah, the alumni base, you're right, in some of those bigger state schools. And that could happen, I think, in Greek life too, perhaps also just uh, the Greek connections. That exact same thing happened to my brother, Adam. In his first job, he applied for After Western. He went through this multi-step interview process to work for this large company. And in the first five different interviews he went through, uh, each of the five people he interviewed with all graduated from Western. And in each of those interviews, they spent very little time actually talking about the job at hand. They talked about experience in life at Western, and he kept progressing in the interview process, perhaps because of that connection. Right. 
So to sum up, here's what I my takeaway is, and you guys tell me if you agree or disagree. It seems like there's big things that you really should consider and take into factors. Do you want public or private? What's the price? What are the scholarships and aid available? What's the location? Urban, rural? What's the size? And whether they provide the program that you want? I think those are the major ones. And then sort of the subcategory factors that you can look at are the, do they have a big sports program? Do they have Greek life? Yep. And then visit those schools so you can really get a feel as to whether it's a good fit. For sure. Yeah. My family took me on sort of an I-5 road trip. I was living down in Vancouver, Washington, and we stopped in Tacoma at a small private school. Uh, We stopped in Seattle at a very large public school. And then we stopped in Bellingham. Comparing those three, uh, the choice was clear to me. And I think it was just about fit. And I think this is really what it boils down to. And I don't think we can give listeners any advice as to what fit means, but you're going to know your kid and they're going to know themselves. And so hopefully if you do the research, if you talk to your kid, if you have open conversations, you're going to be able to sort of weigh all those factors with them and they're going to arrive at a decision. And regardless of what they arrive at, I think that as uh, parents, we just want to be thrilled about their choice and support them however we can. And I think that that as parents, we want the best for our kids, but especially as our kids get older and when they are on their college search process, Mark, I think you might agree with this, is to take a step back a little bit and let them ask the questions. Let them go through the process. Um, This isn't the parent who's applying for college. But Chris, I know of families where the parent has filled out the applications for their kids. (laughs) So that's our discussion on helping your kids choose a college. One other resource I want to recommend is the National Center for Education Statistics. Uh, They have a college navigator tool on their website, which lets students and parents compare different, different stats and graduation rates for a wide variety of schools. So we'll put a link to that in our show notes. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Mount Bakery Cafe. Mount Bakery has two locations in Bellingham to serve hungry dads and their families. They have something for everyone, from hot breakfasts to grab-and-go goods to a variety of breakfast cocktails. Delicious. For my family, I love the classic breakfast with scrambled eggs and bacon. Amy loves their tomato benedict, and Lexi loves their strawberry chocolate crepe. And Alyssa loves their chocolate chip cookies. During the current COVID restrictions, you can enjoy their full menu with heated outdoor seating downtown, or you can visit them in Fairhaven for grab-and-go pastries, quiche, soup, and delicious drinks. Check them out at mountbakery.com. This week on Whatcom Dads Recommend, we're going to recommend some short hikes or long walks that we like to take with our kids. Uh, Mark, you want to go first? Sure. Uh, One of the ones that's become our favorite is a relatively new trail in Whatcom County. It's called the uh, Chantrell Trail, and it's uh, near Lake Whatcom. There's a parking lot uh, on Lake Whatcom, and it's it's fairly rigorous, though. It's uphill for a couple miles, maybe a little bit more. But when you get to the top, the view of Lake Whatcom is spectacular. So maybe not for little kids, but if you've got teenagers, 
11, 12 and up for sure, they'll be able to make it. Take some snacks, take some water. It's well worth the effort. And that's out there right at the end of North Shore Drive, right, Mark? That is correct. And there's a nice big parking lot as well. Yeah, that is a beautiful hike. So one of the ones that I like to take is simply walking from uh, Zuwanich Point Park to the Bellwether Hotel. You can start at Zuwanich, wind your way around the Squalicum Harbor, look at the fishing boats and the sailboats, and my kids love to do that. There's even some interactive signs up a little bit north of Zuwanich that talk about the fishing industry, and there's uh, pictures that show the different kinds of fishing boats. But you can wind that all the way around and end up all the way over on sort of the other side of part of the harbor at the Bellwether Hotel. So it's a little more than one mile each way, uh, paved. You can walk, bike, rollerblade. One of our favorite hikes is the Oyster Dome hike, uh, but we take it from the Sandwich Overlook. um, And uh, you need a Discover Pass to park in the parking lot there. It's about a three and a half mile walk. The views of the ocean and the trees, the ferns, the fauna are all beautiful. Um, It's also low enough uh, in an altitude that it's usually not terribly snowy in the wintertime. Just kind of pay attention to the weather. Um, The entrance is located near Bow. Um, There's also a lot of side trails where you can go to Lily and Lizard Lakes and a variety of other places. And we have seen kids of all ages uh, hiking that. It's a a moderate hike, so you need to be in decent shape, but uh, it's certainly a great hike that we have really enjoyed. I can throw out uh, one for the North County. One of our favorites uh, up that way is a Simiamu Spit. That's flat as a pancake, but it's beautiful. It's got the ocean on the one side and the bay on the other. You can see all kinds of marine birds, bald eagles. It's flat. Uh, In non-COVID days, don't know if they still do this when we can get together, but the first Saturday of the month, the Audubon Society is out there like nine o'clock in the morning and they have high powered binoculars and you can look at the seabirds and they can identify what, what you're looking at, which is really, really great as well. I'm sure it's not happening now, but once we get past this whole thing, it's uh, highly recommended. My second one is going to be uh Northridge Park Trail, which is a 0.7 mile loop up on top of Barkley Hill, can be accessed from a variety of streets up there off of Chandler Avenue. And so you can do that 0.7 mile loop and then head over to Big Rock Garden Park, which will take you about another three quarter mile to get over to Big Rock Garden Park. And my kids like walking through there and looking at the various sculptures and really sort of a great haven sort of in the midst of the city there. Um, So yeah, walking between those two is a family favorite for us. Um. They're under snow right now, but of course, Excelsior Peak, Heliotrope Ridge, Chain Lakes, any of those that are up by Mount Baker are absolutely magical, um, but they're under snow right now. So during the, the winter time, another f- popular spot that we love to go to is the Stimson Nature Preserve. Uh, it's a gem in our community. It's a 2.9 mile loop near Sutton Valley. It's got beautiful, dense forest ferns. There's a beaver pond other great wildlife. Um, we really have enjoyed it, especially when our kids were younger because it's flat uh, or mostly flat. And one of the things that we would do is, is we would actually put together a type of uh, scavenger hunt where we would make a list of things that they would have to look for and find while we were on that hike. Um, it's a beautiful hike. 
And if I could add, Nathan, uh, the All Trails app for people who are trying to find what different trails might be around them, uh, I highly recommend the All Trails app. It's a it's a really great app. Wherever you are, you can search for trails. You can filter them based on location and difficulty and altitude. And what's really great about them is that people leave reviews, really recent reviews, so you can see what kind of conditions the trails are in and whether or not it's a hike worth doing. And if we hearken all the way back to episode one of this fledgling podcast, I mentioned a book there, Urban Trails Bellingham by Craig Romano. It's back in the show notes of episode one. We were talking about places to bike in episode one, but uh, you can also check that book out as well. Special thanks to our sponsors, Robinson & Cole Attorneys and the Mountain Bakery Cafe. There are links to their websites in our show notes. You can email the show at wacomdadspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your feedback and any suggestions you have and any dad jokes you would like read on the air. Our podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review. Next week, we'll continue our focus in January on college by interviewing Monica Matthews, the author of How to Win College Scholarships. We'll discuss your kids dating, both play dates when they're kids and when they're teenagers and get a girlfriend or boyfriend. And we'll recommend card games and board games that we like to play with our kids. What does a field grow on January 1st? New Year's hay. (laughs) Why did the scarecrow win an award? Why is that Nathan Dwyer? He was outstanding in his field. (laughs) Nice. What do you call a Christmas wreath made with $100 bills? What? Aretha Franklin's. (laughs) 